for me, I think I've been in a unique situation where I've grown up getting to see a lot of guys go through contracts and, and doing a lot of different things and having an understanding of how it all works. Uh, for me, obviously, you want to. I want to be a chief for a long time. I, I want to have a contract that, that that says that and that I can go out there and and know that I have that security and everything like that. But I understand and trust the chief's organization and everybody in it that they're going to handle it the right way. I trust my representation that they're going to. Let me have ease my mind and let me go out there and, and just love, love the game that I've loved playing. And so for me, whenever that happens, uh, it, it happens. But uh, I'm going to focus on being the best football player I could be every single day. That was pre-10-year, $500 million contract <laughs> for Patrick Mahomes. Right now he's too giddy to talk. <laughs> on his way. To the He's, bank. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Jared Rice is going to join us in just a moment. But before the break, you said you guys had, had planned what you would do with a second contract. Yeah. Well, your first buy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You see players all the time, right? Buy mom a house, buy a car. <laughs> James Conner, I think, just bought his dad a truck and his mom a home, I think it was. I saw on social media. Yeah. You know, we'd all like to be able to do those things uh, if you can. Athletes uh, usually more in a position to be able to do it based on the amount of dollars and sometimes the guarantees and the bonuses uh depending who you are i don't know i think a lot of guys end up buying cars i mean that's what they do they buy cars i I don't know how many in of an athlete would just go flat out say hey i'm gonna go buy a four hundred thousand dollar house in queens harbor and i'm gonna pay for it like i don't know if athletes do that Mm -hmm. or if they rent or if they just pay a mortgage like the rest of us i mean if i had that kind of money i'd probably just buy it outright yep uh, I might not live in a $400,000 house either. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. What did you come up with if uh, you got your second contract? Yeah, so keep in mind, this took place in the training room because I was getting my ankles taped all the time, right? And we always had this conversation. So you could have been on medication is what you're getting I could have been on medication a little bit, but <laughs> keep in mind, though, like um, – I saw these guys every single day, and like Brent, you see, like when I go out to the practices, still like Rod's still out there, man. We still joke around, but like we we had a vision because there were some of my closest friends on the team at that time. We had a vision where if I sign my second contract, what we're gonna do, and all I remember is first we were gonna start up by. Uh, we were going to get a stretch limo, right? Pretty standard. We're going to get a stretch limo probably on a Saturday, maybe a Friday, probably a Saturday, and we were just going to have a full day of fun. The first thing that we talked about is we're going to go to Adventure Landing, rent the go-kart track out for three hours, and just have us race go-karts the entire time. Nobody else could go. That was our first thing. Second thing was we were going to go to Taco Bell, and we were going to buy 100 um, Doritos Locos Tacos to go and then have them in the limo with us. Nacho where, cheese or Cool Ranch? Cool Ranch. Obviously Cool Ranch. And that way, if somebody on the side of the street was hungry, we could throw one out the window. Or if people want to get on board, have some lunch with us, there you go. Next thing. Now it's starting to get a little later at night, right? We had three hours of go-karting. Brent, we're a little exhausted. We were going to go to every single beach bar, and I was going to buy a 100 bottles. It was supposed to be Miller High. Life. And they didn't have Miller High Life than Corona. But every single beach bar, we'll go to the beach bar, 100 bottles on the table, please. Boom. Next beach bar, 100 bottles on the table, please. Boom. I was like Robin Hood, basically. <laughs> right? I, I, I was trying to be the Robin Hood of Jack's Beach. Now, got to be careful with this next one because it's a family show. I understand that. But we were going to go to a gentleman's club, let's just say. And well, I'm sorry. First, we were going to go to Target. And we're going to buy board games. There's a little difference there. Sorry. We're going to go to Target. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. It might be the same. First, we're going to go to Target, and we're going to buy, like, Monopoly, and we're going to buy Risk and a bunch of board games. Then we take those board games, we go to a gentleman's club, and we buy the time of all the 
performers and we sit down and we play board games with them. That's all it was. Just play board games because you know what? One day I get to say, you know what? I played Risk with so and so. I played <laughs> I played Monopoly with so and so. And then finally what we were going to do is we we're going to get a suite at a hotel and have it set up where we pay the guy at the door a little extra money and we can go on top of the roof and finish our knife take finish our night taking shots of Jagerbomb a la the Hangover one. But I liked it in the Hangover. That is not what I expected. Really, when you got your next, it, it, uh, it's not well, it kind of is yeah, though. It fits. Yeah, for sure, but yeah, that was the plan. We always talked about it. Never I'm surprised happened. you needed Probably a second contract for that. <laughs> well, you know, man, I have to keep my money pretty close yeah, to the you, chest. Did so. you calculate how much you thought that night was going to run you? We didn't calculate it. Um, no, we didn't calculate it. Let's just say that. <laughs> I don't know if Jared Rice is still on the line after that. But if he is, oh my bad, Jared. We welcome into the show, executive director of the Players Championship. Hey, your journalistic talent on this transition from that discussion to uh, talking players and golf. But no, you go right ahead. I'm I'm right here. Absolutely. I mean, well, now we just got to get our golf game in order. Win one time on the PGA Tour, or win the Players Championship, and we could have there a day go. like that. There you go. Absolutely. Well, we're um, yeah, we're we're uh, well. First of all, appreciate you all having me on. I know it's been a, a while since. Uh, we were able to get together on the back patio of uh, TPC Sawgrass, the clubhouse there, in preparation for for this year's event. So it's it's uh, it's been some time since then, and just uh, you know, again, appreciate you having me on, and for all the work you've done uh, through this period of time, entertaining and and keeping us informed. So. Uh, really looking forward to catching up for a bit today. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, what's this time been like? Uh, I always refer, and, and forever, and, and at least my world, I will always refer to the Players' Championship as kind of like where were you when, right? I mean, that's kind of where we all were in this area, this part of uh, the state, is at the Players' Championship when things kind of stopped and, and shut down and, and the world became how we, we know it the last uh, few months. How have you guys been over the last few months? What have you been up to? Well, you know, I think that's one. Of, it's a great point. It's one of those things where, um, you know, we're we're so focused on, um, you know, the the position that we're in as a sport. To be very lucky to be to be coming back and we're competing. We're on television. We're doing some some great work for for charities in these communities, and we're very fortunate in that in that respect. And uh, you know, to think back that you know where where this the sports world really came to a to a to a stop was. Was here, and you know, it, it's not a, a, you know certainly a badge that we're you know flying with with um, with pride, but um, it was a really you know it was a challenging week for us, and um, you know I, I just think you know again this is one of those instances where you know, everyone from our partners to our players to our uh, you know our media partners like yourselves handled everything so well and um, was so informative and communicative, and um, you know ultimately while the Health and safety of everyone involved is is the ultimate priority, and we had to make the decision that we did. Um, it was uh, you know, not an easy one, and you know we're certainly looking forward to to next year. And you know plans are already underway for that, and uh, we we kind of have to look forward. Jared Rice with us, executive director of the Players Championship here in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Players 2021 is what we have to look forward to now. Let me ask you this uh, because I think it was pretty it was dismissed right away when asked. Could the players be made up? Uh, could you have it later in the year? Why was there really not a lot of consideration to that? Was it more the venue? Was it more the calendar? Um, did it ever pop back up that, hey, maybe we could do this later in the year? Uh, any insight on that? 
Yeah, I think that just, you know, as you look at what we're all facing and how every day it's it's a little bit different and, um, you know, a fluid situation is something that, I mean, how many times have we talked, have used that terminology in the last 10 weeks, um, that while, you know, this is the flagship event of the tour and the league is based here in Ponte Vedra, um, you know, we have, a, again, a responsibility to not only our players, but um, the entire sport of golf. So certainly for a period of time that there was you know any number of considerations that were being thought about, but it became very clear just you know in in that window of time that um, as we looked at the over the course of the overall season that um, it was in the best interest to to you know again formally cancel the event and, and look forward to 2021. So it's not an easy thing, um, you know, the scheduling and what goes behind it. Uh, it's absolutely remarkable, and the teamwork that's required to successfully stage these events, let alone schedule them, is is absolutely incredible. So we're we're fortunate to be able to get back, and you know we certainly would have loved to have been able to get the the, the tournament in, in completion. But um, yeah, unfortunately we got to we got to look forward to next March. Well, I will say this: uh, everything that's been done by the PGA Tour, by I think the Players Championship during that week, and and most everything by Commissioner Jay Monahan as well, I think has been received pretty pretty well uh, across the board. I mean, obviously, uh, everything is criticized, um, especially in times like this. But I think the PGA Tour, the players, Jay Monahan have done a, a terrific job getting back to golf now and now looking ahead. Uh, there, there are advantages to everything, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a sunshine and rainbows guy. You know, March 2021, will this break? Will, will the not having the tournament? Are there some advantages to doing some things maybe uh, in this interim? Uh, that that maybe you wouldn't have had. Is there anything like that? Well, I think just to go back to your point, a, a couple of things. One, um, to your point about how things have been handled. I think as you look at our players, and you know, first of all, Webb, uh, the past champion, is is playing so well, and um, you know, some of the things that um, he and other players, like local players like Jim Furyk and Billy Horschel. Are doing for for charity and for this cause are just really endemic and emblematic of of you know our sport and we're very lucky to have it here in in our hometown. Um, you know, thinking back to the uh, you know the events of um, uh, you know the the match that was that was obviously down in, in South Florida and that seems like again so so long ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was you know again some immediate steps that our our players took to really try to bring back some normalcy and. Um, again, be able to impact charities, which is at the core of who we are, and a, and a, and a really cool thing to think about through this this transition. So, um, to your latter point, just how the sport right now is, we've got a great opportunity. Um, you think about some of the from the coverage perspective, we're seeing some some great ratings, and um, you know we have we have center stage and a, and a great opportunity to you know show people how great athletes these 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 players are and how they can do some amazing things with a golf ball. And from a fan engagement perspective, um, our partners at, at DraftKings have seen some unbelievable uptick. So um, it's it's again there's there's like you said there's there's positives to this is that um, we have center stage and ability to really grow the sport. And Jared, when you talk about positives, obviously right now the landscape of all professional sports it, it is different, you know, and and sports have to adapt and everything like that. But from you know from from the golf perspective, from the PGA perspective, obviously with the Players Championship, we didn't get a chance to see it come to fruition. But like, are you gonna take some things that you guys have kind of learned from this whole pandemic thing now with the PGA Tour and maybe apply them going forward to places like the Players? No, no question. Um, and again, you think about some of the. The, you know, the whether it's technology or logistics and operations, um, you've seen even some of the telecast, the the utilization of of drones. So for improved footage, 
Um, we've mic'd up some players. Um, Ricky Fowler was a you know, past champion, was the first person to do that. Um, how we integrate with technology has always been something very important to the Players' Championship, but now we've really doubled down on that as a necessity for our entire sport. Um, I mentioned sports betting and, and how um, fantasy and, and sports betting is um, you know, an opportunity for us to engage a, a new set of fans and how that uh, integrates with the game going forward. So it certainly is. And then from a, a fan perspective, we have always prided ourselves on being you know, the best fan experience in sports. So from a health and safety perspective, as we look to 2021, we know there will be steps that we need to take that are different relative to everything from sanitization to um, overall health and safety. And, um, you know, we're, we're well into thinking about that as well as getting the, the course ready for next year. Jared Rice with us, Executive Director of the Players' Championship here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, along with Brent Morton and Austin Lane. Uh, two quick ones for you. Uh, word is uh, stadium course just reopening uh, next week, I think. Uh, did a little drainage project around 17. Was that a big thing or just a, a little cosmetic thing? I'd say probably more uh, cosmetic, and what's what's interesting about this time of year for for sports fans and, and your your listeners is that you know the, this is the period of time where we do a, a lot of maintenance and preparation in order for the course to be looking the way that it does in March. And um, you know, again, it's it's getting into the weeds, literally and figuratively. But you know, having um, a a firm foundation allows the overseed that happens in October to to look great. So if you if you work backwards, this period of time that we've been we've been closed for maintenance is really critical to looking great in March. And so, sure, one of those things is um, cosmetic to 17, but there are you know, other nips and tucks that we're making to not only make sure that the the course looks fantastic for for fans. Uh, on television, but also plays at the at the highest level that's expected. So um, we're we're um, soft soft opening next week, and then uh, be open for um, you know for for broader play at the at the end of the month. Yeah, well, uh, testing the drainage is not a problem these days with some of the rain we've had. So that's uh, <laughs> exactly that's good for exactly. The guys. Uh, and last one, you guys do so much. You mentioned this already about the PGA Tour, but you guys, the Players Championship here in Northeast Florida, how much you impact local charities, how much you guys give back. It's such a, a main cog to what has become this international event and, and the PGA Tour's big event. But obviously so much of the dollars were missed. And we talked about players and what uh, uh, Feeding Northeast Florida and Billy Horschel did and, and others have done even in the area. How are you guys dealing with that part of it? Uh, what are you guys going to be able to do? Will you, maybe it's more time than money this year on the second half uh, when it comes to the players championship how, how are you guys treating that the, because i know it's such a big part of what you do it is a big part it's a challenge and you know we think for all of us that you know things are you know around the world here locally will never be the same as they were in the past but um one thing that won't change from a player's perspective is our core mission to you know deliver uh economic and charitable impact to this community we're not going anywhere and that is central to how we operate and how we ask the community to engage and so it is a it is really important to us i think is again as you think about uh and read uh, how the community is engaging um whether it was billy horschel and, and his family uh benefiting feeding northeast florida with the proceeds from um you know his his playing here uh the players championship whether it was the you know, seven hundred thousand and uh, um, seven hundred thousand dollars worth of food that we donated immediately post the tournament. Um, you know, those are some of the steps. And, and obviously, I mentioned Jim Furyk and, and Tabitha and, and their family foundation and all that they do here. Um, you know, our, our our players here locally do an amazing job, and um, you know, we're going to continue to look for ways that we can be, 
you know, held accountable to, to benefit the, the local community. So, um, you know, not having a, a tournament will have, have an impact on, on dollars and, um, you know, that's, those, those are tied. But, um, again, we are, we are working hard to get back to, uh, those levels. And, and, and one thing that is really clear to us coming out of this year is, um, really how great our local sponsors have been at getting, getting reengaged and ready to go for next year. So, um, we feel really confident we're going to be able to do great things and, uh, going forward. Well, no doubt you guys will do that. Uh, let us know if we can, uh, be a facil- facilitator of that in any way, shape, or form. Jared Rice, Executive Director of the Players Championship. Glad you're doing well, man. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Absolutely. Appreciate everything you're doing, and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. You bet. Uh, that's Jared Rice from the Players' Championship. It's hard to believe it's been uh, that long since uh, the pandemic really started. You yeah. know, again, the clock started there for us, yeah. I think, right? I mean, that's that's where my mind will always go to. Yeah. I know it's different for people, right? Around the sports, people say, well, the night the NBA stopped. Yeah. And it wasn't really like that for us. To me, it was the, those 24 to 36 hours. Uh, with uh, the players' championship that wasn't going to be played. When's it going? How's this going to work? No fans, fans, and then bam, done, and everything seemed to shut and, down. And also, don't forget, too, Brent, WrestleMania canceled during that <laughs> trip, too, remember? <laughs> I, we're, no, we're, I don't. I'll never forget, we're on the course. <laughs> Brent, this is some of our highest viewership ever, remember? We're bringing people to hockey. Forget about that. That actually is right. I have a snapshot of that. That was yeah. some of our highest viewership yeah. ever. You're yeah, because right. WrestleMania got shut down. <laughs> you know what? It was a bad day for everybody. It was All a right? bad day. Yeah. We were in between. Now you're reminding me. We're in between 12 and 13. Exactly. I'm dreaming of birdies and eagles. <laughs> exactly. And you're dreaming of body slams. Exactly, man. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get over your day if you sign that second contract. By the way, why don't we just plan on doing that kind of day if we sign a second contract here? That's a good call. Why not, man? I, I mean, probably could trade it out or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if my wife would be, be like super pumped on that now. We might have to now that it's out there in the airwaves. It a little bit. Yeah. Just the last yeah. part of that. Going to Target and Gentlemen's Clubs. Ah, going out to Ruth Chris for a nice family dinner. <laughs> you know, you got to change some things around a little bit. Yep. Yeah, times have changed. Times have changed. In many bit. different ways. Uh, have times changed to the point where we are willing to say we don't need a preseason in the NFL? Mm-hmm. J.C. Treder, the uh, NFL Players Association president, has, uh, it, you know, he wrote in a blog and he basically said, listen, we decided amongst our task force that we need 48 days to get ready. So do the math on that, folks. That's about seven weeks. Correct. Which is really interesting because if you asked any college coach, remember when they were asking, okay, how much time you need ready? But, you know, back of like two months ago, people would be like, well, we really could use eight weeks to get ready. Mm-hmm. We might be able to do it in six weeks, but we really need eight weeks. Well, these guys and their task force kind of fall right in line, right in the middle. Just about seven weeks, 48 days to get ready, to feel comfortable, to be like, hey, I'm back in game shape. And this is something that I'm on the with the players. Listen, I want football. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I care that much about preseason football. And quite frankly, from a business standpoint, we kind of do over at CBS 47 and Fox 30. We would like to have preseason football. It helps us out, too, for our jobs. Absolutely. Yeah. But – I'm going to go with the players on the, just, you know, present both sides. And I hear where the players are coming from on this. Uh, first of all, it looks like we're going to have two preseason games. And we're not having four. Correct. But we're going to have two. But none just to create that 48-day window and get ready for the regular season. I, I, I'm I kind of on the player's side on this. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, it brings up 2011. That was a time from you were playing. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this in the past, where when you came back from that, not just you, but players ha- were more, um, the injury rate was up. Mm-hmm. They were more prone to injury. 
I think he brings it up. Like I said, hamstring injuries were up like 44%. Achilles injuries were up a certain percentage. And overall injuries were up a certain percentage. So guys were getting hurt. Because when you train at home versus when you train at the facility and with your teammates and everything else, it's different. And I think the layman's terms of that is as easy as this. When you were training at home, and not going to your gym because it was closed during the pandemic. But you were still getting your work done, right? We were going on walks at home. We were doing virtual workouts in our living room. We had, we had like, boxes of water that we were lifting <laughs> instead of, of weights. We are doing all this stuff, right? And you're yeah. like, hey, I'm getting it done. I feel like I'm, I'm, doing a, I'm trying my best to get it done. Mm-hmm. But then you went back to the gym that first time. And, oh, my gosh, it was like you hadn't done anything for, like, six months. Yep. Because it's different. And so I get what the players are saying here, and I don't think they're wrong. I think you are going to see injuries up. I think you are going to see guys that aren't in great shape or the shape they need to be in to be playing that game, that violent game of football. I think Treader and the players have a point. No, it's an absolutely great point. And you kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of training. Listen, you can go on Instagram right now. You can go on Twitter, and you can see these guys doing their workouts, and they're all in shape. Shirts are off. Chazon looks like he's a ninja turtle with his shirt off. I don't know how he's got that Mike Allstott <laughs> neck roll just in his traps, but I have to get that, dude. That's that's legit. He looks, yeah, he looks menacing. I like it. But, you know, so they're obviously getting in, and that's great, man, okay? That's what you want to do. You, you obviously have to build your body up for the demands and the gruels of the regular season. Cool. Sounds great. But there's a difference between going in the weight room, bench pressing, squatting, going on the field, even doing like your drill work. There's a difference between that and being in the dog days of summer, wearing full pads. You're tired. You're fatigued. And all of a sudden you got to go out there, you know, on a 10 play drive and you better not get hurt. You know, like that's when a lot of the injuries happen. It's not necessarily right away. It's when you're fatigued, when you when your mind's kind of a little cloudy, and you're dealing with 90 degree temperatures here in Jacksonville. That's when the risk of injuries can happen. And guess what? It's hard to mimic that in the weight room. It's even hard to mimic that when you're on the field doing your position work, just because you're not gonna be wearing pads. I mean, maybe you're wearing a helmet, but you're not gonna be wearing full pads. You're not gonna be going through three hours of meetings before that, and you're gonna be just drained. You don't do that. So it's hard to get the true quote unquote football shape just by doing that. So I, I, I do agree here with the decision possibly with we'll the preseason games, but keep in mind, and we kind of talked about it for the opening segment. You have a bunch of first-year guys right now that have no idea what that heat is going to be like. I was the same way. When I got drafted back in 2010 and I was getting ready for the spring workouts, I was running hills every single day. I was doing sprints every single day. I came into camp in great shape, but I couldn't mimic the heat of Jacksonville in you know central Wisconsin. Just couldn't do it. It's that different. Okay, and when you have a bunch of rookies right now that are really accl- that aren't really acclimated to this kind of weather, it's going to be a rude awakening. So keep in mind, if you're Doug Marone right now, it's all about trying to find that balance. Like, yes, you have to get started. Yes, you have to implement this new offense, possibly this new defense, all this stuff. You have to set a culture and you know kind of rule with an iron fist a little bit. But you also have to make sure that listen, a lot of these guys right now are not acclimated. Sure, they've worked out in the off season, but they're not ready for this. So you have to kind of bring them along slowly. And I wouldn't even say acclimated to the heat. I would say acclimated to the NFL. Yeah, that means their first real acclimation to the NFL might be a real game. 
Yeah. Like it could be a real game. But that's the reality of it. That's tough. I get it. That's really tough for Jacksonville, maybe. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But that could be the flip side. That could be very detrimental to the Jags because they have so many young guys. And you're right about the acclimation to the heat, the camps, to the different – all those Meetings, things are right. everything. But I do think some a lot of these guys haven't even been in the building in Jacksonville yet. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of them have not. They don't even know where their position rooms are yet. <laughs> they don't. Oh, and by the way, we have practice day one. Have fun. Yeah, or – we have practices, but we're not going to have games. Now, in that sense, they are used to that a little bit from the college days. You don't sure. have exhibition in college days. But, Let's bring Steven okay. in uh, real quick. we got to get him in before we go to break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. He's been hanging around. Steven, what's up, man? What you want to talk about in the preseason? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I agree uh, in a way. Uh, I think we should have two preseason, uh, three and four, get rid of one and two, extra two-week practice there. But... These undrafted free agents need a chance to get a roster spot. I know J.R. Reed and Luke Barku are gonna be gonna have roster spots. I already know that, but they need those extra two games to at least prove themselves to get a roster spot. I believe that, and uh, hopefully they take the fullback Connor Slomka they have because I'm sure Austin can testify to this. The best running Jaguars have ever done is when they have a fullback. Well, this guy is Jet. This will be the hardest year to make a roster for an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Because you won't, if you don't have preseason games, but even if you only have two, you have limited opportunities. So you're going to go with what you know Mm -hmm. as a coach. So that puts those guys behind the eight eight ball uh, a little bit. Uh, Steven, uh, is that all you got? Uh, I have a challenge for Austin. Okay. And I'm doing this for the 690 Syndicate next year for Shock Your Mock. I'm making sure you can't say. My mock draft sucks. I've already started my research. <laughs> He's already doing his due diligence right now. I love it, man. I got, I yeah, love the I already dedication. got my first two picks. I love the dedication. Okay. I like the dedication, man. That's good. You got plenty of homework. You cannot yeah. be denied the amount of homework you've done for Shock Your Mock 2021. <laughs> Appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks for hanging with us uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Well, and a little, uh, a little maybe breaking news here. We'll see how the whole world of the NFL pans out. But I had an idea to do maybe like a dissect my draft where we do like your fantasy football draft, and I tear it apart as well. So maybe down the line, people start you know drafting their fantasy teams. I can. I can get a. I, I don't like just. I don't like dissect your draft. It'll be like demolish my draft or dominate my draft, something like that. But maybe your draft. Dis money, Brent. See, and, and that's why we're partners, right? That's why we're making the big bucks. Well, you are. It is what it is. But yes, dis my draft. I think we got something there. But. This year draft could also be like in Bryson DeChambeau territory of cool or not cool anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's kind of worn its welcome, you know? I just feel like with with the mock drafts out there for fantasy football, we can, we can talk about something, man. All right. Uh, how much could the – I want to talk a little bit more about this preseason. How different will it be, and especially here in Jacksonville, how much could it impact them? Plus uh, a trash can story, and is it a trash can faux pas? I've got two trash can things. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking to Jalen Ramsey or something, I guess. I don't know. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hey, he's the one who said so-and-so's trash, isn't he? Oh, is that what he said? Yeah, Josh oh, Allen. Oh, I thought you just called Jalen Ramsey trash. Just I for didn't know he okay. a trash I got you. Okay, a trash can. Okay, okay, okay. Hey, I mean, I'm just trying to hype it up a little bit. Get you guys, you know, Sean Payton, <laughs> Jalen <again>. Ramsey, <laughs> whoever, man. We're calling people out. I'm probably already blocked. I haven't even checked. 
When we come back, ESPN 690. Talk a little bit more about preseason as well. Uh, plus the Sean Jackson uh, in, in some hot water with some of his comments. Uh, athletes have to be careful. Deshaun Jackson finding that out today. We'll be back, ESPN 690. It's an exciting time. I'm just glad that I get to continue building this this legacy in Kansas City. Uh, obviously, with everything going on in the world with 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 COVID and and all this different stuff, to have this this stuff, this this security to go into the community and be able to give back. I, I can't wait to not only build this legacy on the field but off of it. And uh, I'm excited for the future ahead for not only me, but the Kansas City Chiefs and the, and the communities that have brought me up so far. Cool. Is that new Patrick Mahomes? So he's talked already, obviously. Yeah, said so it was from today. There we go. The last one we paid, I played, I thought, was pre-contract. I believe it was, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're confusing me with all this Patrick Mahomes. Where's it bounce around, man? Here's the thing. So obviously I've told this story before when Andy Reid breaks down a team meeting the night before a game he says let's go have a cheeseburger my treat do you think he's gonna go say let's go have a cheeseburger pat's treat now <laughs> you think he's gonna do that because lord knows i would it's a lot of money for a lot of cheeseburgers so i'm gonna say and i love how he calls him pat too like i was watching an interview yesterday with andy reed kind of talk about the situation pat love it you know that'd be actually that's a great call right there like patrick mahomes what, what happens when you make that kind of money Right. And Mm -hmm. I've heard this before in stories about like Tom Brady. I've shared this before where it's like Tom Brady has a hard he wants to come down to the level of his teammate. Yet he's put on a pedestal that makes it very difficult. Like people walk in that locker room like, oh, my gosh, that's Tom Brady. Yeah. I want to catch a pass from Tom Brady. What do the players say against him? I want to sack Tom Brady. I want to tell my grandkids I sack. You know, so you can see how it's born. Felt the same way when Josh Gordon bought his (laughs) Aston Martin. Felt the exact same way. <laughs> but the the thing about Mahomes now is it puts him on a level. He's already kind of like that. He's got that aura a little bit, right? He's MVP. He's Super Bowl champ. Young kid. No look passes. He's the coolest thing going. Yeah. Face of the NFL. Now he's 10 years, $500 million Patrick Mahomes. I think the great thing for Mahomes would be to do. If I was Mahomes, I was advising Mahomes. I would, that first day at camp. Yeah. I would order cheeseburgers from everywhere for that first team meeting. <laughs> Just the simplicity of a cheeseburger. You're not lying, man. You know? And, and play off the, if it's Andy, maybe it's ice cream now, whatever it sure. is. But whatever the Andy Reid oh, thing geez. is, which yeah. would be a great idea, right? Yeah. Bring him down yeah. th- th- that level. It's genius. I mean, honestly, as simple, I mean, cheeseburgers, great. I'm thinking like popsicle, snow cones, like something. Because, I mean, dude, nothing beats a nice popsicle or a snow cone after a hard practice. But you're absolutely right, man. Like, listen, he doesn't have to go buy like all his offensive linemen Rolex watches. He doesn't have to go buy everybody like all these luxurious things in that locker room, man. Because to be fair, like, yeah, they're nice gestures, but his teammates don't care. Like, I think the biggest thing that Patrick Mahomes can do, and I'm agreeing with you here, is that he can bring himself back down and, hey, I'm still the same guy. Yeah, sure, I have a couple more zeros in my bank account now, but I'm still the same Patrick Mahomes. Let's go get an ice cream cone or a snow cone or something like that. If you were a financial advisor, mm-hmm. would you be kind of nervous being Patrick Mahomes' financial advisor. I mean, obviously, you just hit the lottery, too. Correct. To some degree. Mm-hmm. But it's like, like, what do you tell him to do with five? <laughs> you know, and by the way, it's, it's, it's not like he just got handed $500 million. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get handed probably, what, like $63 million and then whatever else. But how, how do you manage that? I mean, that's what you went to school for. That's what you get paid for. That's what you yeah. do. 
But you also don't want to screw that up. No, for sure. But I guess the good thing fair, is if you screw up $100 million, yeah. you still got yeah. $400 million. Hard to million. screw it up. Really, 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 really hard to screw it up. Like, if you screw that up, you're going to jail forever because, you know, obviously, yeah. you just, you're just you not good at your job. I wonder what they tell people to do with that. Like, I've always thought about this with ShotCon. Yeah, yeah. Like, who manages ShotCon's money? Sure. And says, like, how do you talk in a lingo that has that many zeros? And, and say, this is the smart thing to do with, well, this $1 billion. <laughs> like, what do you, how do you do that? I think the conversations go like this. Hey, you know what? Congratulations. You made a lot of money, and I'm proud of you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take... You know, this chunk of money here, and let's go ahead and just put it away. Let's not worry about it. Let's plan for the future. Let's make sure your family is set. Let's make sure your grandkids are set. And let's invest that money, and let's watch it grow. This is the conversation I've had before, in case you can't tell, with my financial advisor. <laughs> let's but, not but, go rent a limo. Yeah, let's not go rent a limo. But, but, but you know what? Hey, but you know what? Hey, but you know what, Patrick? Here's, here's how it goes, though, Brent. But you know what? You've worked hard for that money. You've, you've, you've gone against all odds, made it to the NFL, and now you've got your contract. You're the, one of the best NFL players in the world right now, and you've earned that money. So let's go ahead and take another chunk of that money, and let's put it aside for right now, and you go treat yourself, and you go enjoy it because you know what? Hey, you know what? You hired me, but you know what? You earned it. <laughs> you earned it. Go treat yourself because you know why? You earned it. That's what that's, they say to you. That's how those conversations go, my friend. Really? Oh, you what? better believe it. Yeah, you earned it. Like, so what do you do? Like, what do you take out of us all that those millions to go have fun? I with? don't know, man. Go, go earn. I mean, you earned it. Go and do whatever you want to do. It's amazing. Like, I think it's hard to spend that. I know everybody laughing at me right now, be like, "Oh, well, I will try to spend it." I get it. <laughs> I think it's hard to spend that money. Yeah. I don't know what you do with that kind of. And by the way, like my father-in-law always said this. He's like, if I had, if I was advising, like Patrick Mahomes, this is yeah. what he would say. He said, I would take, let's just say, ten million dollars a year, mm-hmm. and go put it. In, and he's from Ohio, so he's like, I'll put it in the Ohio State bonds. Okay, yeah, which grow at like five percent. There you go. Well, you do the math. Yeah, like it's guaranteed to grow at five percent. Yep. There's your ten million a year. Yep. So you can go mess up anything else, <laughs> but you're not going to mess up that. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. think about how much money that would e- equate to. Yeah. Yep. I mean. It's just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. the, the amount of money that is—that is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do it the right way, and and by the way, in with any investment, I think you get a little bit lucky here or there. He'll try some things and maybe fail at it or, or sure. whatever. But I also think you got to be really careful of this if you Patrick Mahomes get spread out too much, right? Of course. To say, hey, I want to take this money. This is what the danger of the new athlete is, or the modern day athlete is. It's cool because they're well-rounded. They want to produce movies. They want to do things like yeah. invest in other things. They want to uh, spark change, promote change, make their own, like, whether it's YouTube channels or whatever it is. Sure. But you don't want to be distracted from your primary thing that got you there, and that is of course, playing football it, or playing basketball or whatever else. And see, and this is kind of the, the thoughts that I have going back and forward right now. Because with Patrick Mahomes, he's still young. He's extremely young, just won 24. his first Super Bowl, 24 years old. Just comes off his first Super Bowl win. He's won the MVP already as well. And you get the sense that this guy right now, Brent, he's all about football. He's all about winning and trying to put himself in the legacy of one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And how you do that, you win Super Bowls. So he seems completely focused right now on Super Bowls. I don't see Patrick Mahomes first day at training camp pulling up in a Bugatti, you know, and just decked out in like, you know, some new like Louis Vuitton uh, garb. I, I don't see that. I see him coming, you know, just like the way he always does, you know, probably rocking a Chiefs cut off shirt and some sweatpants and saying, let's get back to work. 
when I think about Tom Brady, and this is why I want to bring this up because you obviously you're you know you you're close, but you followed the Patriots obviously, so you kind of know what you're talking about here. But like, when did Tom, and I don't even know if Tom Brady really changed that much. But like, obviously, when Tom Brady came in, he was the chip on his shoulder guy, right? It was about proving all the doubters wrong. You guys took me late in the draft. I'm going to show you why that was a mistake. And now it's my job in the New England Patriots to be the starting quarterback, and I'm going to go out there and ball out every single Sunday. Well, and then eventually it gets to the point where it's like, all right, well, now I'm married to a supermodel. I have to do these other things. And now I have, like, my, my book and I have, you know, my diet and all that stuff. So, like, I guess what year, like, when does that transition happen, right? Because, like, eventually Patrick Mahomes is going to get to the point where it's like, all right, it's time to branch out and do more things. Yeah. But when does it happen? Yeah, I don't know. When you're yeah. ready for it, I guess. And yeah. and you're going to get asked for it for forever. Mm-hmm. But when you're ready for it, I don't know if that was after Super Bowl three for Tom Brady, uh, Super Bowl five for Tom Brady. But I do think at some point, like, you go from kind of like this almost naive nature of it, yeah. you know, like, uh, my guess is Patrick Mahomes, he seems pretty level-headed. For sure. And I know this sounds a little crazy because we all uh, – we try to paint everybody in, in, with the same brush. But my guess is Patrick Mahomes pretty – in an innocent, naive kind of way. is like, man, I'm playing football and I'm getting paid for it and I love the game. Yeah. And I don't care how many dollars are in my bank account. His mm-hmm. agent and everybody else does. But yeah, whatever. I'm getting paid. I got plenty of money. It's fine. Yeah. But at some point, you do flip the switch is my guess to say, I this is my business. You know, yeah, I'm I'm playing football for fun, but this is my business. And then over here is this is my legacy on the field, mm-hmm. and this is my legacy off the field. And how much can I do with this? What more can I do? And I just think those are the things you have to compartmentalize. I think this would be very difficult. I think you have to compartmentalize and say, okay, but I need 90% of my focus over here still in yeah. this bucket. Like, I think that's the thing with LeBron Ooh. James. I, this is the one thing I criticize LeBron James. I love LeBron James. I, but I criticize him about the fact of, I got to go move to L.A. to create movies. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. You can do that from anywhere. You own jets. You can get on jets. You can do. You don't have to live in L.A. and play for the Lakers to expand your movie career, in my opinion. And also, by the way, your movie career can wait like three more years if it needed to. It doesn't have to happen now. See, I criticize him a little bit for that move if that's why he chose to go to L.A. Because I just don't think you need to do that right now. But I believe in his mind, some of that basketball bucket or, you know, helping the hometown bucket that he's already filled up mm-hmm. has now spilled over to say, OK, but let's try to put some in this bucket. Let's diversify, you know, in yeah. a different kind of way than stocks, but in my own personal life. See, it's so interesting though, because I'm reminded and for the life of me, I can't remember what speaker said this to the team. But when I was in Jacksonville, whatever year it was. I remember a speaker, he had like a dry erase board. This was during training camp. And he got on the board and he drew a funnel. And he said that when you're in high school, and he pointed at the top of the funnel, this is your life right now, right? You got your friends, you got the newspapers talking about you, you got this this bubble that you surround yourself with that's cultivating you to be a good man, to, to, to get a, a hopefully a college scholarship and go on with your life. Well, then he like he drew it where like in the middle of the funnel. Well, that was like your college years. Now, all of a sudden you go away from that home bubble. You're in a new environment. You have new friends and maybe it's getting a little smaller. And then he said, here's the here's the league right here. And it was like the small little tip of the funnel. And he said, this is how you should approach it right here, because if you don't and you keep that big funnel up with you until the pros, it's never going to work out. Because to play the game of, you know, football at the most highest level or whatever job you want to have, you have to be laser focused, man. And I think we've seen that a little bit. Like, you know, obviously Leonard 
Fournette, you know, kind of cutting some of those people out yeah. of his life. Shrinking the funnel. But exactly. You're shrinking the funnel. But here's the thing, though, Brent. When you have these high-priced quarterbacks like the Tom Brady back in the day or now Patrick Mahomes, I mean, your funnel can only get bigger, right? And you play the most important position, uh, the position that demands the most of you to win a Super Bowl more than likely. And now all of a sudden we're saying, well, you know what? Go ahead and make that funnel bigger. Go ahead and do these things over here. Go do these things over here. So it's it's an interesting conversation because one would think, well, if you're Patrick Mahomes and you want to win, you better stay laser-focused. But you know that's not going to happen. But Yeah, I think it's a very difficult thing to do. I, yeah. I, think, I love what you're saying there, too. I mean, that funnel starts big, gets small, and then starts growing back up a exactly. little bit, right? Yeah. And I think that's what LeBron James is doing a little bit. But can you handle it? LeBron looks like he can handle it, by the way. Sure. Also taking on a bunch of social issues and all these other things. Uh, and he looks like he can. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that's I, I I would keep the funnels smaller. But I'm yeah. also a big believer in the less friends, the better you ha- you are. <laughs> sure. So yeah. I mean, but that's kind of the funnel philosophy in a way. It is. It's like you spread your if you have too many. Fr- I'm not saying you can't be nice to people and have acquaintances. <laughs> My point is if you have too many friends, and we we're just talking about it, right? Yeah. We we're talking about weddings and uh, uh, best man speeches. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, like, yeah. I've never had to give one because I don't have enough friends. <laughs> yeah. Which is great. All of a sudden, Ty's gonna want a birthday party with like ten people. No, <laughs> no, it's gonna be five kids at the very most. Bring them over here. Not having 10 kids in my house. I, I mean, I never really thought about it from the funnel philosophy, but I guess yeah. I kind of believe in it in a way. Like, it's just like you can only do so. You can only go to so many people's weddings. Correct. Except for Coos. Uh, you can only <laughs> get so, remember so many people's birthdays. You yeah. can, my point being is I'm not sure how good of a friend you can be to Everybody. this many people. You can be a great friend to a select few. But it's hard to be a great friend to everybody. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of that point. Yeah. And I think these guys get stretched out, though, with their dollars, with their wallets, and by the way, with their focus and attention. Yeah. And so can it take away from you being a great player? I think it, it takes something well, to be able to handle that and, and know when to shrink that bubble and and or that funnel. And I guess most people would probably say, if, if we're sitting down on, on the couch here and, and uh, being sports <laughs> psychologists, yeah. I think most people would probably say that that old-fashioned statement if you want to be the best, surround yourself with the best. Sure. That's when people say no. That's what we say about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, he didn't have those people. No. He had all these yes people. And then look where it went. Look yeah. where it is. Look what it resulted in. He, his funnel got so big, and he was listening to the wrong people probably, or they weren't loud enough or, or didn't have his attention enough, that they couldn't slow it down. And I'll tell you what, and you mentioned him before, but Braun, man. LeBron James should be celebrated for what he's been able to do, right? Because through the social media era, everything he's been able to accomplish, and yes, that funnel has got huge, but you know what? He's always been able to handle it. Because sometimes when your funnel gets a little too big, you start to self-destruct a little bit, right? And you have a, 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 a bad demeanor about you, a bad behavior, and you get in trouble. LeBron James, as far as we know, has never been in trouble, has never self-destructed. Organic TED Talk right there. Didn't even know it was about to happen. <laughs> right, I got to get to this because I asked for it. Are you allowed in your neighborhood to put trash in somebody else's trash can? Mm. I would say probably not, man. Like, no. I, I did it yesterday. Put your own trash well, well, can. No, like, I just had like a little piece of paper trash, and I was yeah. walking the neighborhood, and I was like, I don't want to put it in my pocket. I'm going to put it in their trash can. Yeah, but it's not your trash can. It's not your mailbox. What are you doing, man? I honestly felt like I was doing something illegal, <laughs> and people might watch and like, come out. Well, and now you just snitched on yourself, too. I'm being someone... honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not. Like, I put it out there, and, and some here's the response. If Hit there's no it. lid, I do, especially dog poop. Oh, wow. We're <laughs> that just... wasn't it. It was just, just a wrapper. Yeah. 
But yeah, it doesn't say Thunderdome. There's got to be rules. Our Jack, society. Says, our Jack says, yep, that's why they are there. Wow. That's what I thought, too. It's trash. I'll tell you what, man. I society. Keep America clean. Keep... <laughs> Nicely. That's going to be a t-shirt. <laughs> we'll be back at ESPN reason. 690. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.